Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest on today's podcast is a good friend of mine and a very successful real estate investor by the name of Jared Osmond. He has done all kinds of stuff from single family homes to residential homes to subdivisions, all kinds of 1031 tax exchanges. He's done assisted living facilities. He owns retail. He owns strip malls. He's a builder. He's a contractor. He is one of the most successful commercial real estate investors I have ever come across, and he's definitely one of the most creative. He's uh, taught me a lot about a lot of different things, and he finds ways to make money in pretty much every project that most people I don't think really see. So I really like the vision behind what he does, and he is truly one of the most unique investors that I have come across. Great guy, great heart, great sense of humor, great person, and great investor. A good buddy of mine, very smart, very intelligent, very successful, and I think you guys will like him a lot, Jared Osmond. Most important question for you. Yeah. Did you start jujitsu this week? No, I did not. Ah. I know, I know, I know. So, no real excuses, although I have been really busy. Um, Lots of stuff going on. I had had an interesting experience. So, as a, you know, know, I'm a general contractor, as well as a developer, and uh, we built our own home. Beautiful home in Alpine, Utah. We have tons of people that come by, take pictures, and what have you. This is really, it's flattering. It, you know, my wife's a designer. She designed the outside, inside. I built it. And uh, we just get a lot of feedback. Well, I had a guy drop by our house on Thursday um, that really set this chaos in motion. So he's, he's, he stopped by, obviously very affluent, and, and, he's, and he knocked on the door and said, I guess he emailed first and said, can I come by? I have a couple of questions about your house. Of course, my wife said, no problem. He came by and said, look, I love your house. I've been watching this house for the last year. I can't find anything like it. I looked at the, you know, my wife's posted pictures of the interior on her website for a furniture store. The guy just went on and I goes, look, I got to have your house. And my wife said, well, your house, our house is not for sale. He goes, no, anything's for sale for the right price. He says, just throw a number at it. She goes, well, I have to talk to my husband about that. He goes, if you're serious, he goes, we'll, we'll talk, but you know, this is home base. We don't need to sell. This is, you know, so he goes, well, let me come back uh, tomorrow and we'll just have this conversation. Your husband's around. So he comes back with his wife and just somehow gets his foot in the door and starts talking. Heather gives him the grand tour of the house and he goes, look, what do you want? Anything you want, just tell me. So she throws out this huge number. Of uh, basically a million bucks more than we paid for it, and he doesn't even blink. He goes, "Okay, I'll, I'll write a contract." And uh, we just we've been stunned since then. So here's the funny part. Uh, so I spent the whole last couple, a couple of days, you know, Friday uh, and Saturday, uh, looking for another lot next door, trying to get that tied up and under contract. Looking, uh, my wife and I've been looking at house ideas and plans. All this chaos we didn't need. So we've got this big development we're doing. She's got a bunch of homes she's decorating and furniture sales and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, finally, we, uh, we kind of had this spiritual sort of come to Jesus moment where we thought, you know what? This is home. This is ridiculous. 
So we actually called the guy back. He, you know, he had sent us a formal offer. He had he was going to give us all the money up front as his earnest money. So and he wanted us out in thirty days, and I just said, "No, <laughs> we don't want to do this." So you I turned it down for thirty days. Well, it's crazy, man. The whole thing is just crazy. Um, anyway, so long story short, uh, we turned this this guy down and and uh, made him go away. And then this morning, we get a phone call from a neighbor who is very affluent, lives in a small 22,000 square foot house down the street from me, just literally a block. And she says, you know, we're, we're looking to downsize to a 13,000 square foot home. That's what I have. And she goes, we heard you were going to sell it. Um, whatever that guy was offering, we'll pay half a million dollars more. <laughs> so, you know, they offer now and offer you money on your house just to be I, I I don't even know how to respond to that. So my wife said, "My gosh, for a million and a half more, is it worth the inconvenience?" And I, we're so we're kicking it around anyway. But that's why I haven't started jujitsu. Is I'm a mess. I got so much going on. I not I'm not saying you're not busy. I know. I'm not saying. All right, I'll tell you what. After this call, let's get on the phone with her and schedule. All right. I'm. All right. I'm you have to hold my hand. It'll make your whole week better. You might sit there and get off the mat and just go, I'm selling that house or I'm not selling that house. Like, dude, it, right. it, it clears the cobwebs like nothing. Right. Hey, man, I'm all for it. It sounds fun. I don't you, you, I'll try it. You know, I need it. I need it. I know I need it. Well, you'll love it, most importantly. I, I don't think right. you need it, but I think you would enjoy it, and I think you would benefit from it in many ways. Yeah. I've, seen it, I've, just, I've seen it change too many people's lives physically, emotionally, psychologically, yeah. like all for the better. And I just Good. know just a lot of people that I know that are very successful and very busy on very high levels like like yourself, um, do it. And it just it helps yeah. them find balance. Like I mean Guy Ritchie trains at Henzo's in the city when he's doing movies and yeah. Bourdain was there and like it's in, insert like everybody now. Like Ashton Kutcher does private lessons, Al Bundy like I don't know. I mean, it's just everybody from all walks of life seemed to find it. You know, the guy that Bobby Fischer was based on, yeah. that guy's doing it and stuff like that. There seems to be this this push to understand one or two products, you know, residential, uh, some minor multifamily, like, you know, a duplex, a triplex, fourplex, something that's still under um, a residential umbrella. And very hard to find sometimes these deals because everybody's looking for the same thing. And that's the problem. Everybody's looking for the same thing. People go out and they, they really want to be successful and they can relate to residential housing because that's what they, they can, they understand. They live in a home or apartment. They understand the concept uh, and that kind of thing, but there's so much missing. And so I'm all about the creation of wealth uh, and creating uh, what wasn't there. And so I, I like to go find deals where, People don't see it or they haven't seen it. They don't understand the value in the land they have or the value in changing the building from what it was to what it could be. There's so much left on the table. Um, there's a misconception, too, for people that are, that are out trying to invest, you know, or that are new at this, or even people that are seasoned. I've run into people that have done this for years and years and have never thought about commercial real estate the way they think about residential. The price points to get into commercial don't have to necessarily uh, be more than what you'd pay for residential. There's small commercial that really uh, makes a lot of money. Um, I have a couple examples that I share on the road of 
of buildings that I've taken. One building in particular, I was able to buy it. It was it was dilapidated, yes, but people didn't know what to do with it. The reason it do with it, the reason it went back to the bank is because they had no vision. And it says in the Bible, where there's no vision, people perish. And so taking that that building and creating something that would work on this little tiny historic Main Street really made a lot of sense. And so the the price point, the entry point for me was only a hundred thousand. Ended up being about three hundred thousand finished, but I was netting forty five hundred dollars a month. That was a that was a true net. Um, so if you look at any kind of residential property and you think, well, gosh, you know, if I had 300,000 put it in the residential, what would you make a month? You know, 500 bucks, maybe if you're lucky, six, seven hundred dollars. I don't know. Depends on what you do. But, you know, to, to pull that kind of money off, you can create cap rates and value um, through the creation of it all. It's a little more uh, on the tricky side. There are things that you've got to do. You've got to be patient with it. But that discovery with the city and what they what you can get away with, what you can do, what the zoning will allow you to do is so huge and so critical. Uh, and, and that's and that scales up. You know, I've, I've done deals that are, I just did a deal on a building that, you know, I bought it uh, for three and a half million. You and I were talking about that. I showed you the deal. Cut off two. Big office building on the corner. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that office building. Yeah, I mean. I, I literally had eight hours of work into it. I found the building, I made an offer and grabbed it. The building only needed three acres to park it. So you can only subdivide when you can park whatever's there. So the building, the office building, you know, the full three acres that it sat on. But the other two acres it didn't need. It was just kind of extra unused, unwanted. And I cut that off and sold the two acres for 1.5 million just over. And sold the building for exactly what I paid for it, 3.5. And I did it all in a couple of weeks. And so just the creation of some simple subdivision. And subdivision is something I've made a lot of money in. So but, uh, somebody who hears something like that, because, yeah. you know, people think what I do just on the residential side or buying a couple of apartment buildings or just, you know, I consider myself a baby in all this, think what I do is crazy or a scam or like I've, you're in some type of MLM or some type of cult or something like that. And then yeah. what you do is mm -hmm. crazy to people that do what I do. But when you look at the average person and, and, and how hard they work their whole life and what they make yeah. for hour and like fighting traffic and all that kind of stuff. And I'm looking at your office and you're, you're always home. I think you said you cook your kids breakfast almost every single day. I do every day. You got a coolest dad, everything behind you right there. You got a full head of hair. So you're not all that stressed out. And did eight eight and a half hours of work and netted one and a half million dollars. You know what I mean? So I just feel like I've been hearing, you know, I've been going to a lot of masterminds and stuff over the last couple of weeks and just trying to surround myself with people who are doing more than me or doing things different than me or better than me because it's the only way you get better. You know what I mean? I, like you said, I never want to be the smartest guy in the room or the most experienced in the room. And yeah. they, they just keep hitting that like. Always be willing to do what others will. Always be willing to do what others will. And I feel like you've just taken that to such a different level. And you're just living proof that if you just go for it, it like it, it pays off. Most people won't dig as... Like I said it to you the other day. I went to the city and me and Nicole were like, holy shit, there is so much. And you were like, yeah, there is. But yeah, turn into it if, if it pans out. You know what I mean? So well, it's true. It's true. People, people get hung up on... The details, they're so afraid uh, that they can't get out of their own way. I mean, that's the problem, right? I mean, everybody's got this limitation in their head. They've got this feeling like, oh, I just can't do that. I don't understand that path. You don't have to understand that path. 
you know, in real estate, you could tie it up and give yourself enough time, enough due diligence time to go and find out, to go and uncover what it is you need to do. And look, if it doesn't work out, if you can't get the zoning the way you want it, you can't uncover things, let the deal go. What are you at? Time? I, I mean, I don't get it. You know, the truth is, is I, I see people all the time that have you know, all the excuses on why they can't do it. And then really what it comes down to is they're just afraid. And, and the, the fear is stifling. It's very real. It's very, very real. But, you know, overcoming that fear, that's another that's another hour conversation in and of itself. Which I, I really do want to talk to you about that mindset stuff, but I didn't want, I didn't mean to cut off your, your credential uh, of the commercial side. So talk a little bit more about, you, you had that building that you, you, you do a lot of subdividing, you do medical, you do commercial, you go to hotels, you have, I had skyscrapers under, under contract, you've done raw land, you've flip properties, you built houses from the ground up, you've done all, I mean, I feel like there's pretty much nothing you haven't done, you know, like it's, it's well, I mean, there's a lot of stuff I haven't done. I mean, there's a lot of real estate out there, you know, that's everywhere, but I, there's nothing um, that I've found that has totally scared me yet. I mean, I've been nervous. There are deals you go into it, you know, and uh, you don't know the answers completely. Uh, for me, it, it's a matter of the, you suspect it's a good idea, you suspect it's a good deal, you tie it up. And then you find out and you work on a good, better, best, like I've talked about before. Good, better, best. So is it the best deal? Are you wasting your time? What could you be doing? I mean, I can go do little deals that'll take the same amount of time as these big deals, you know, and get paid 50 grand or I can go get paid 5 million. And, you know, so I weigh that out and I, and I do enjoy my time. And so now for me, it's, it's become uh, a real passion to get up in the morning, do all the things I love, be involved with my family, get all the kids to school. I mean, my wife sleeps in every day. You know, I take care of her. But I, I love that. I love, I love creating this life and having this freedom. Real estate to me is freedom. It's breathing room and, and it's fun. But, uh, yeah, there's lots of deals out there. I mean, you know, it sounds so simplistic, I guess. Uh, some of the things that I live by and some of the, the ways that I find properties, it seems very simplistic. And it is. And it's great when simple things work. So for me, when I go looking for a property, I ask two questions. I've expressed this several times when I've taught, but two questions. One, what else could this be, you know, based on the creation of, of a deal? I like to create. And so what else could this be? When I show up on a property, that's the first question I ask. And I don't judge my answers. I don't come up with a list of what I can't do. You know, I'm, I'm sure that list is long. But I come up with, what can I do? What are my visions? I always carry a journal with me, no matter where I go. I always have journals. Got them in my truck, got them in my, in my office. And these journals have, you know, you go through it, you'll see uh, pictures, some pictures from my kids too. But I'll, I'll take concepts and I'll write them out. I'll take a building and I'll sketch out the building and how I feel like it could flow and what can I add to it and how do I cut it up? How do I subdivide off the ground I don't need? How do I create a project on that ground? Um, and that creation has been just the key for me. So what else could it be is where it begins. And then after I figure out what I want it to be, I figure out the second question, which is how do I maximize the use of the building or the land? So what else could it be? How do I maximize the use of the property? Those two things really serve me. So then when I feel like I've got a deal that makes sense, I take it, I wrap it up, I tie it up under contract. I go to the city, talk to the zoning department. It's always the first stop. And I find out, you know, the truth about what it can or can't be. 
and how do I change things? Sometimes the answer is no, you can't do that. But if you want to go to the city and change the use, which I've done. So you can create a lot of wealth by just changing something into a project. Um, I've created, uh, I've changed land. I've come in and I've subdivided and created projects that uh, with assisted living, senior housing, storage units, furniture stores, uh, you know, on the side and cutting off what I didn't need. I've been able either to pay the project down or completely off. And I did that with my furniture stores by being creative. And, uh, and I've, I've done that several times, that big building uh, where I sold the two acres off and made it 1.5 million. That's a nice payday for eight hours of work. I'd say yeah. so, yeah. It'd be yeah. nine to five, my dude, you know, for sure. It is, it is. And people are killing themselves, you know. I had a doctor that lived across the street from me uh, before we moved up to Al Alpine. And he came across the street uh, one day and he said to me, he goes, Osman, can I talk to you for a minute? And he goes, man, what, what's going on with you? He goes, man, I, don't, I, I think I hate you. <laughs> he looked really serious. And I said, well, why? Why do you hate me? And, and he goes, you know, my kids are always telling me that you're hanging out with your kids and with my kids. And, and then today you took my kids and your kids out to get ice cream. He goes, do you work? You know? And I, I took that to mean, you know, this guy's working 60 hours a week. And if he breaks his hand as a surgeon, he's done. You know, there's just, that's, that's a tough gig. So having passive income. But anyway, I'm kind of all over the map. You know, I, I, it's hard because I get so passionate about, you know, just finding the deal and kind of creating and looking at things from what, what it could be. Um, and I, and I certainly hope people will look at commercial real estate uh, as a solution, not just residential. I think residential right now is a tough market. I, I think that's another really interesting thing because everybody, everybody that I've been coming across when I'm going to these different masterminds and stuff like that lately or different meetups and stuff, yeah. everybody's always very thrown off by the fact because they go, well, where do you live? And I tell them like, yeah, you know, I'm, I spend a lot of time in Chicago. I live in New York. Yeah. Well, how many properties do you have there? I'm like, you know, I have some stuff in Chicago, but nothing in New York. And Mm -hmm. This is where my other stops are, and they don't get it. They're like, I don't understand. And I'm like, well, for me, like if you have the whole country to pick from and the deal makes sense, you know, yeah. it's like you said, you know, you you learn about that market. You you know, I find the deal, and when I find the deal, it'll attract me towards the market, and then I'll dig in and I'll see if that market makes sense, and I'll start to figure it out, and that might create some more opportunity for me. But it doesn't always work where you live. So for me, starting out with no money, no credit, no experience. Trying to get into real estate in the New York area is, it was a bitch. I would never have been able to do it. So right. finding properties that were thirty, forty thousand dollars in Georgia and Michigan and Arizona right. and Carolina. But you are in a market that everybody, if I went to any of those meetings or talked to any of those people and they said, Hey, I'm in the Utah area, I'd say, Well, how's the real estate there? They're, oh, there's no deals. It's so competitive. Everything's so expensive. And you've made like a lifetime's worth of wealth within an hour of your house and you seem to have no problem making money there. So I feel like all of that is mental blocks. Like there's everywhere. It's just a matter of, are you, are you willing to look at it? And I feel like people discount things too much or put up these weird blocks yeah. in your areas and stuff, you know, but what do you well, that's really true, Nick. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, I've, I've heard that too. People say, Oh, I just can't find a deal. And so that's why looking at things with a creative mind and, and creating value, uh, it's critical. I mean, in this market, especially with how things are, you have to be looking what, for what other people are not looking for, what they don't see. And that's the, the, the craziest part about that. 
is that there are more deals um, that people don't see than there are on the MLS. There are more creative money-making deals rather than buying something solely on a cap rate, which I never do. I don't go in and go, oh gosh, I hope I can get a 5% cap on this. Mm -hmm. I don't do that. I go and create a 20. People think that's ridiculous or that's impossible. Most of my deals average out to about 15 to 20% cap rate by the time I'm done massaging it into whatever it is that I want it to be. And that could be big or small properties. I mean, but there are so many, you know, we have a standing joke. My wife and I have shared this with you that if we need a new car, we'll just go look for a single family home that sits on a big enough lot. I could cut it in two. You know, if the, if the zoning says you only need a quarter acre and it sits on a half an acre, we literally will drive around, get on the MLS, driving whatever it is. We'll find it an area and we can see it's visible that, Hey, this house, this older house is kind of, off to one side, it's got this big lot, nobody knows what to do with it. You buy it, you subdivide it. Now in this market, I, I could go anywhere in Utah almost in the markets that I, I like to stay, like you said, one hour from my house because I'm kind of lazy. I don't really want to go beyond an hour and it just doesn't sound fun. And so I'll go buy, I'll buy this house, I'll subdivide it, I'll sell the house for exactly what I'm into it. And then I'll have a free lot. I could make 150 grand minimum without bringing any utilities. And people hear that and they go, oh, that's, that seems impossible. I don't know how you do that. I'm like, well, it's actually a very simple concept. You don't even really have to take it through city council. There's no meetings for it because if it fits in the zone, it's a single lot subdivision. It's typically an administrative call. They'll just get it done for you. It costs very little to do. I don't care what city you're from. So even in New York, I've well, got family that live in New York. We just talked about, right? That the video I just said. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there's the point, right? So you see things with new eyes. It gets me so excited. I love it. Yeah. But, you know, people say, oh, there's no deals, and that's crap. Yeah. Like something like that, though, like, because I've heard you say that before, and if I had never heard you say that, I would have never thought about it. But the second I was looking at it, and he goes, hey, it's two lots, I was like, oh. I was like, this is the kind of stuff Jared's talking about. Let me look into it. Well, yeah. I think, like, when you say things like that, especially – like, I get it if people don't know you, because even like when you just said something like, hey, why would I spend six months making 50 grand if I could spend the same six months and make 5 million? And people right. go, that's bullshit. But I know it's not. You know it's not. So I'm sure you don't let it bother you anymore when people say that, but people probably still doubt you or don't believe you, just like they would anybody uh, else who just doesn't. But I feel like totally. that's they don't have to feel like they now that something they could do is what, you know what I mean? Like, if uh, they say it's not real, they never have the excuse of why they never did it. But here's the reality. It's not a race, right? That's the first thing I tell my friends. It's not a race. And, and I'm not out. And I don't say all those numbers to impress anybody. I really don't care. You know, um, the, the truth is, is I, and this is the unique thing I think that I, that I can bring is all the deals that I've done and that I talk about are, I, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to pull up the paperwork. I'm happy to pull up the deals. We can look it up online. Uh, whatever I got to do. So for me, I could, I, it's fun to come from a standpoint of, yeah, well, I've done it. And it's okay. It's okay. And not that I'm so special that I think the, the thing that really gets me excited when I, when I tell people about what I do and, and I try to help them figure out real estate and figure out how to make money, how to be wealthy. It, it's fun to come from a place of experience because I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I don't have a college degree. I've got about a semester left. I have no reason to go back, you know? Um, I, I've been I've been doing this for 24 years. You know, and our first deal we did was my own little family, my own little tiny home. Got, not, not a tiny home, but a small house. My wife and I 
bought a house before we were getting married and signed all the paper. Ended up renting out uh, the top, remodeled the little tiny basement, and we lived there rent-free or mortgage-free. Somebody else was paying my mortgage. I've never made my own mortgage payment, which is a fun statistic you know, with all the stuff we've done. Now, I've got so many deals we can talk about, but you know, the key really is to overcome um, a couple of things right here. Most people that want to do this believe they don't have the time, number one, or they believe they don't have the ability, you know, and so, and you know, and a lot of people make the mistake of trusting their money with somebody else. I mean, I love people, but I don't trust them with my money because that I've seen too many people get burned. You're smart enough to do this. I mean, anybody that I talk to, I mean, rarely do I run into somebody. I, there are a couple. I've seen running a couple. I'm like, you should probably not invest. <laughs> this is not going to go well, you know, and they got to go back to drooling on their Legos and doing their thing because some adults are just, are just, they can't get past themselves. They can't, a lot of people can't get past their own internal uh, blocks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and that's sad to me. It's sad to me. One of the things I talk about that I truly believe is that we all live with internal air conditioners that kick on. And so when we start getting excited and we see things that are potential, uh, potentially good and will work and, you know, it, it starts to heat up, all of a sudden this air conditioner turns on. And that air conditioner is that self-limiting doubt, right? And I don't want to sound like Tony Robbins here, but that's the truth, the self-limiting doubt that people kick on that says, you know, I don't deserve this. There's a level that I don't deserve. I don't deserve it because of a myriad of reasons. I don't deserve it because my dad didn't have it. Well, I've been there. You know, my last name's Osmond, but I grew up totally poor. My dad never owned a house. He's deaf. He, his brothers all sang, but they're all, you know, they've gone through their hard moments. A lot, a lot of lost money. Um, we grew up broke. You know, 11, at 11 years old, my mom said, you guys got to help my, me and my brother. You got to go out and work. Go learn. You know, so it's always my, my desire doing real estate began with, gosh, I just don't want to do what my dad did. Because inside that internal mechanism was working. But, you know, it's funny because I'd get around people that were very negative and that would also kick that air conditioner. Off. So I learned how to cut people out of my life. I still love them. I just don't hang out with them. It's, it's, a, it's a true principle. So, you know, I mean, people that don't, don't want to go forward, don't want to learn, they, they, they have this mentality, well, it's the devil I know versus the devil I don't. I know my job, so I'll just go back to my job. I hate it. I hate working the hours. I hate the pay, and I hate that I don't see my family. But hey, it's my job. I'm coming, and that's okay. I'm not saying kill the goose that lays the golden eggs for you. Hey, if you can keep your job until you can make real estate work, we can get rid of. I was able to get rid of my job from day one, which was a blessing. You know, um, I started off unemployed, so I didn't really have any job to, to cancel. You know, I, that, that's not always a reality for people. But I think the problem, the reason that they don't want to look into creative ways of doing real estate is it doesn't fit the mold and there's these uh, these internal air conditioners, internal voices saying that they can't and breaking through that. And I've got a whole series of ideas on how to break through that. But that's the thing stopping them. The truth is, is I could show you how to do a deal. I can show you how to do real estate. And the only reason you won't do it is your own story about why you can't. And those internal air conditioners will kick on. And that's a hard reality, to be honest. Most people that I've taught, I've given them enough tools to go do it. I, I believe I have. But there is something that's going on that says, I can't. And I don't know why that is. I really don't. But you really have to set yourself up for success. Surround yourself with people that are going to support you. 
and, you know, and then get real information. That's the one thing, again, I come back to. I can offer real information. I've done it. I'm not, I mean, there are things I have not discovered yet. There are projects that scare me that I have to overcome. You know, I was looking at a project the other day that would, uh, would have put me in debt, $10 million. And, uh, but it had the outcome of producing close to 50 million by the time it was done. And I set that one aside and I haven't circled back. You know, instead I'm, I'm, I'm working on the, uh, the other deals. I'm working, I've got a $10 million project coming out of the ground right now, but I'm not, you know, I've been able to pay that down significantly. The, uh, the ice cream store. Well, that's one of the things I'm going to do. I just got all the rights to Steak and Shake too here in Utah. Yeah. So I'm going to start making it back. I'm very happy right now. <laughs> oh, baby, I'll tell you what, I am going to eat up a storm. It's going to be so fun. That's where the, you're going to deserve that because you're going to be doing jujitsu a few times a week. Hey, that's true. I'm actually flying out to Indianapolis uh, in a few weeks. Get out of here. Bye. I'll be closer to you. But anyway, I'm flying out there. Yeah, it's going to be good. Go to Steak and Shake's headquarters. Yeah, I've been actually the first Steak and Shake I ever went to. Is yeah. in. Yeah, I think it was the first one. Get out of here. I don't know. 89 years ago, that thing started. So that's kind of fun. I don't know. I wish they had opened a Portillo's out here. Yeah, well, you could. You know, you could definitely do that. No, I got all kinds of uh, food fetishes. I just got to eat, eat, eat. That's yeah, why I need jiu-jitsu. Yeah, me too. I just... I work out just so I can keep eating all the stuff I want to eat. It's a shame. Yeah. I saw that che- that piece of cake you and uh, Nicole were eating the other oh, day. Man. It, it, honestly, it's, it wasn't good. It's the freaking football. Huge. I figured the guy could have given us a heads up or something. He just bought that over, and I was like, ah. And I looked at it, and I was like, literally everybody that was in the tables around us yeah, and was staring at us. And I went to the waiter. I was like, dude, can you cut it up and just pass it out to, like, half the restaurant? Like. This is fucking oh, it's ridiculous. The thing was the size of a cake. You had the whole thing. I don't know how big the original cake was. After we did that event in Chicago, I know yeah. my Alex and Jiu Jitsu, and I think a couple of you guys went out to Gibson Steakhouse. Oh, yeah. The hotel. Did you go with them? No, I went by myself. Oh, you did? Because oh, that, that's where we were. We were at Gibson's. I had never been there before. Oh, it, Gibson's is awesome. One of my favorites. That was Gibson's. Wow. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I that, never. That, Oh, it's my favorite. It's so good. Dude, it was really good. I was like, man. Yeah. And it was like attached to a double tree. I was like, there's yeah. not a good restaurant attached to a double tree. And they were like, sure is. Go over there. I was like, man, that was really, really good. Yeah. Oh, it's it's off the chain, man. It's so good. Love it. Love, love it. Yeah. So one of the things you said, which I actually didn't preface when I was giving you the intro, was that you are an Osmond, so you are related, actually, to the mm-hmm. Osmonds, Donnie and Marie and everything. And uh. I always think it's funny because it's very easy for people to, oh, well, he's Donnie and Marie's nephew. That's why he's got all that money. And that's why he can do all these things. And I think, I think you were telling me a story how you were like mowing your lawn or like doing something and they didn't see you. And they were like, oh, that's the guy that Donnie and Marie gave all their money to. Like, yeah. You know? So I had some neighbors. I, I, you know, we, we we're in a tight knit community um, out here. And, you know, we go to church together with these neighbors never really spend any time talking to them. They don't really know me, you know, just at church and hi, how are you? But we, I was out picking weeds, which I never do. I hate the artwork, hate it. But for some reason, my wife was upset the weeds were there. I was out there in the morning on a Saturday and these seven ladies come walking by and I hear them talking about the neighbor. Every house they go by, they're talking, right? So, you know, this is central church gossip. And then they get close to me. We live in a gated community and so they couldn't see me behind the gates really. As they got a little bit, of, a little bit closer, they, uh, start talking and, and they were like, oh yeah, Jared and his wife, Heather, Heather, 
runs their furniture stores and she's always busy and she's a great designer, da da da. And then there's Jared. What does Jared do? Mm-hmm. Why? It was all silent. Yeah, I don't think he works. I think he just stays home with the kids, is what uh, one of them said. And she goes, yeah, and I heard that Donnie's paying his mortgage. It's a family <laughs> trust fund. And I sat there and I thought, I was busting out. I was like, man, should I be offended or should I lean over the wall and say hi and surprise him? I let it go. I never brought it up with him, you know, and I just thought, it's interesting the perfe- the uh, perception people have. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, and you, you just you just never know. You you got to be careful how you assess people anyway, right? You just never know. Um, uh, who you're dealing with. But it, it, uh, it was interesting. It's also a testament, though, to me that, you know, the truth is um, you can get caught in, into groups of people that'll, that'll uh, sit and gossip and waste your time, that kind of thing, and instead of being productive or, or be, you know, having a true friendship. We, people that we thought we, we knew we didn't know. You know, there really isn't any offense, but it was, it was an interesting eye-opener. My wife and I talked about that uh, people really don't know. And, and, and it is interesting when, when they approach us and they ask us what we've done or how we've done it, how we're, how we're making money, uh, how, how does real estate work for us? A lot of times it's the deer in the headlight look and they look at us and they can't relate. They don't want to. Um, and that's okay. That's okay. It's not for everybody you know, or everybody would be doing it. But I'll tell you, it's, it's simpler than it, than it. It is as simple as I make it out to be. It's, it truly is. It truly, that's the, that's the hard part for me is it's that simple. You know, it's going to the city, getting that list, right? That seems daunting and going, well, all right. It's like when I started the assisted living, you know, I, I had, an, a, had some big assisted livings here in Utah and I had no idea how to start an assisted living when I started, but it didn't scare me. I was willing to go and go for it and create and do things better and, and do the research and go, well, what can I do better? How do I make this work? What else could it be? How do I maximize the use of this business? How do I grow? These two simple questions. Anyway, so, yeah, and you will. Like, I, I hopefully no. we do these a lot. Um, no, yeah. A couple of the things I did want to ask you also is, even when we're out there talking to people or teaching classes, like I see it because yeah. I know there's always the sharky guy. And, sure. you know, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, yes, there has to be a nice mix of it, but people, every single person I talk to that's successful, they can tell you, like you said, I can tell you all the steps to the deal, but it really does come down to just the, the mindset and the belief of whatever their story is or why they don't do it. So I know you're a huge person that that's really big on on mindset and optimism and visualization, all that kind of stuff. And I don't understand how people constantly come across very successful people. Like they'll talk to you, they'll see that you're genuine, they'll see that you're successful. And then they'll say something like, hey, well, what's like the biggest thing that you can think of? And you tell the mindset and they go, ah, it's bullshit. Like, you know what I mean? Like they just, everybody well, to discount that. Why do you think that is? And why has that been, how has that helped you really get to where you well, are? Obviously, there's a difference between what well, you're doing and what people are. Sure there is. Sure there is. Well, the reason that they discount it is they don't want to believe it's that simple. First of all, they want it to be more complex because then it gives them an excuse not to succeed. There you go. Okay, so that's number one, and, and I'm telling you with all clarity, that's the truth. People, people that discount the mindset and, and, and call it psycho, psychological babble, you know, they, they're the ones that are never going to do it because they've already they're self defeating, and, and, and it's it, it's it's a really true um, aspect to the game. It, when when I get out and I and 
you know, it, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you get up in the morning and say, I can't, then you won't. Or if you look in the mirror and you're self-critical, like, oh, I'm so ugly, I'm so this, I'm so that. Well, all right, well, you're supposed to be your own best friend. Setting yourself up as your own best friend, as lame as that may sound, is the truth. Because then you don't have to rely on somebody else to make you feel good about yourself. You know, I think there's a connection with God as well that sustains me. I think that, the, that you have to have a spiritual connection. You have to, you have to keep balance in your life. Um, I, I talk a lot about balance, and that's another discussion. But the reason people discount it is, is it, it, it takes away their narrative or their story. As I mentioned, the reason people don't do big things or don't accomplish what they set out to accomplish is because they have a story internally that they tell themselves. Oh, I can't because, or I don't have this, or I don't have enough money. I get that you need money, but I'm telling you, if the idea is good enough, there is money. You know, if the, if the deal is good enough, there's ways to find it. Maybe you need to start somewhere uh, smaller on a smaller scale. It's okay, but there, there are ways to ramp and to do things. I mean, I'm not going to tell you that, oh, yeah, you can go out and do a billion-dollar deal or you can, you know, whatever. No, there, there are steps, obviously. But I'm saying that when people set themselves up, they don't set themselves up for success. They set themselves up for failure because right out of the shoots, they're coming up with excuses. When I tell somebody it's, it really is mindset, it really is creating, you know, this person and persona that you want to be uh, so that you can follow through and you can be your own CEO and your own best friend and you can do all these things. They don't want to hear that and they'll dismiss it pretty quickly. Um, and most of the really successful people that I know truly are very self-contained. They don't need adoration from other people necessarily. Some people seem, but they don't. And they, they don't need um, to be propped up by friends because they're already their own best friend, but they're also surrounding themselves. And that's part of the mindset, right? I mean, you surround yourself with like-minded people. That's why you and I are on the phone today from the video conference. Uh, you're a very like-minded person. You're one of my dearest friends. And I mean that sincerely. And, and it's because you have that mindset. It's easy for me to communicate with you and it makes it fun. I really enjoy that. And so the, uh, there's, there's lots of reasons why people don't pull the trigger and go for things. But I think that's the number one reason. Yeah. I, I like it, man. They can think it's BS if they want. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're at a place in life that if they don't believe you, it's okay. Like, so, I, uh, they can choose your arguments, you know what I mean? It's, I like yeah. it. Well, another thing, I, I, if you had to give advice to somebody, first off, starting out, what would your advice be professionally or personally, whatever would be of just something to kind of get them going? And two, one of the things that I'm really, what I'm trying to do now and I find myself doing is really just level yeah. up. So you really are somebody that I think every person that I talk to, I don't care how successful they are in whatever they're doing, you are the level up of what the next thing is. Even the people that think they, they're at the top, like you just have done things on a much bigger, higher level than anybody I know. So. What would you? What would your advice be? First off, to somebody new starting out, and second, to somebody who doing well but really looking to level up or take their business to another level, like what would be some tips or some advice or just any kind of words of wisdom for that? No, no. And, and the truth is, Nick, um, the first thing you need to do is take a breath. Uh, everybody's so uptight. Just <laughs> take a breath. The train is always coming. Take a breath. Relax. You'll find it. There are answers. 
to questions. There are things that you will discover. You don't have to know everything. The greatest advice I can give somebody is to get started. Uh, real estate is, is a way to make passive income, to make money while you sleep. And, you know, everybody has an excuse. Again, that whole mindset of, you know, oh, I'm too old or, oh, I'm too out of shape or, oh, I'm too, I've got too many hours doing this. It's the story, right? You got to lose the story. All right. I see you work a job that, that takes a lot of your time. I, okay. And you want to, you've got to dedicate time to your family because I get it. So you need to start in kind of a smaller micro fashion. So what? Start. The reason I don't buy stocks is because stocks can go to zero. Real estate will never go to zero. Real estate is a natural hedge against inflation. Our currency is ticking down every day. It's tied to nothing. It used to be tied to gold, so they said back in 1972, not tied to gold. And the reason I don't buy gold is because gold doesn't pay me rent. So the truth is you, you've got to first get yourself in a good place. I mean, most people are surrounded by people that are not going to support it. Uh, you have to, if, 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 you know, you can't necessarily get rid of your spouse if she doesn't support you. I mean, you've got to, you've got to, you keep that relationship intact. You know, like, um, I mean, you should, I guess. So, but you need to, you need to set yourself up for success. Uh, you've got to start inside and, and you've got to create this relationship with yourself, as weird as that sounds. Um, that's critical where you discover that you can. And when you, and you have to also discover what is it exactly that's keeping you from feeling like you can do this? Where are those internal air conditioners? What are the limiting factors in your beliefs? If you believe you can't, why? Pencil it out, write it down. And you'll find out as you write it out, it's like, oh, that's really self-limiting and it's BS. Okay? Belief system. You know, it really is. And the truth is, is that's, that's where it all begins. I remember when I started off in real estate, you know, I had what I believed I needed. And so I put that number out there. I needed, uh, I think the number was uh, $3,000 a month. If I had $3,000 a month, all my bills would be paid. I could cover everything that I could pay. I was so focused on that goal that I got exactly what I wanted within the first six months. Passive income. And from there, you know, I just, every time. But if you set yourself up, and it's okay. It's okay to set smaller goals. Set yourself up. Try it. Go and hit that. Crush it. And then go to the next one. And, go. and it is very powerful. It is a very powerful thing. One of the big problems, too, back to the mindset side of this, are, and this is probably the biggest problem, Nick, the, the reason I believe people don't succeed, is they are shell-shocked. They are, they are living with PTSD from a previous deal, whether it's real estate or otherwise. I don't know. But some type of PTSD that... that that has created such an indelible impression on, on their psyche and their ability to pull the trigger and their ability to go forward. Again, analyze what it is that's holding you up. Write it down. Come up with, a, with uh, some clear understanding of those limitations and why you feel that. Most times when you do, you'll realize those feelings are irrational or those feelings can be mitigated by saying, well, you know, this happened. And then you look at the players that were involved. A lot of time it involves other people that either screwed you over or, you know, and so, you know, you have to erase the past. You can't live in the past. You have to learn to forgive it and, and essentially, and most importantly, forgive yourself. Most people, I've done it, I, every day it's a matter of personal forgiveness. We're so mean to ourselves. 
I mean, we hang ourselves up on past things and we're the most critical of, of ourselves on who we are and on all levels. And, and that is so stifling. And so learning to forgive yourself and, and forgetting yesterday, learn the lessons from it, write it down, become clear on what you don't want. That's great. But don't spend a lot of time focusing on what you don't want. Spend a lot of time focusing on what you want. It's all cerebral. You're going to get a lot of people that will listen to this in the, the mood. It's just it's warm and fuzzy talk. That's great. I, you know, I'm okay with that. But it's the truth, Nick. It's the truth. You know, I've done gigantic deals. I've done crazy things. I've got freedom. And I'm able to live like, you know, I wrote on the dash of my car when I first started this, which I don't recommend doing, by the way. I took a shark. <laughs> I wrote on the dash of my car when I was single. I said, you know, I'm willing to live like nobody will. I'm willing to live like nobody will so that someday I can live like nobody can. And I was humble and I analyzed. And it's been a road, man. It's not a perfectly straight line. It's, you know, it's been back and forth. And it's been very emotional to kind of go through it and to get to the point where I am now. And I still have much more room to grow. But I mean, there's been um, so many moments where I've been able to kind of assess it and go, all right, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling this way? And why am I not able to get past it? And, and it's taken me a minute. But those are important moments. Um, you know, the deals are there. We can talk about how to subdivide. I can talk about how to do an assisted living. I can show you how to set up a business for success, how to go through the process of starting a business, getting an SBA loan. I can tell you the differences between banks. I, I can go through, you know, uh, how to create uh, cash through, you know, scenarios where you can you know, buy, sell, then buy and keep. And there's a different kind. There's all kinds of stuff to learn. But until you set yourself up here, uh, that's tough. It's tough to, to get past that. And again, the whole time issue. People talk so much about time. Like, oh, I don't have time. Yeah, you do. You just get caught up on things that you think are important. But what's important is for you to set yourself up to be able to have more time later on. So, so maybe you take an hour less of sleep. Maybe you dial back a little bit on your hobbies. Maybe you, you know, reinvest in yourself. Maybe you find a different job if it's really working you so hard that you can't focus on this. You know, take the time to go and figure it out. Set yourself up for success. Anyway, yeah, I could go on. I agree, though. You know, the same thing when people like uh, when we talk and you see me posting stuff like I'm in San Francisco and I got up at 430 and drove an hour to go to jujitsu. It's like mm -hmm. 24 hours in a day. And if it's something I'm really committed to that I love and I want to get better at it and I eventually want to get a black belt, that's what you have to do is you have to do what other people aren't willing to do to get what yep. you want, regardless of what it is. And that's why, yep. you know, one of the things me and Nicole always say is, is how you do anything is how you do everything, regardless of what it is. And I'm a big believer that you, you bring your A game, you know, regardless if you're scrubbing toilets or building houses, you just do your best with whatever you bring. And I know that you have probably been the same way through your whole life. That's why I know if you take the principles of, of just what you do and who you are in real estate and you put that into jujitsu, you're going to get your black belt in jujitsu eventually the same way you did in real estate. And a lot of my fighter buddies that have been very successful in that, if they go and they decide that like, which a couple of them are, is they're going after real estate now and they're going, look, this was crazy and hard and confusing and scary when I started and I, and look what I did in that. Why would this yeah. be different? And people go, oh, no, 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 but it's, it's the same. It's all the same. So I, I, I believe that no matter what it is that you decide you want to do, you're going to find a way to be successful in it because it's who you are, you know, that's yeah. just, and you've proven that. So I, I love that, man. And I, and I think that that's, that's yeah. nice, you know, and um, I know you have a, 
there's stuff out there that I, I definitely want to bring attention to. Like, I, I know you have your furniture store, so anybody in like, the Utah area, or I don't know if they can go and shop online through some of the different places that you have. If you want to give a, a nice plug, I know the missus would appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, go support my wife, Ozma Designs Furniture. Now we're in Lehigh and Orem, Utah, and, and she loves what she does. We've been able to create such an amazing uh, place, and it's, and it's fun for her. It's also because of the way we structured the real estate deal, we've been able to pay the stores off, and we, our, our inventory's paid off, so we, you know, we don't live on credit lines, so we can wheel and deal and help people and, and do a great business. And so that's fun. We really enjoy that. And the only reason I say that is because it's unique, right? Uh, if you set your real estate up the right way, when you own a business, owning the real estate makes sense. A lot of people live off leases, and that's okay. You can go lease from somebody else, but the flexibility of owning your own space uh, is huge, and we don't have time to talk about that right now. There's tons of reasons why. But uh, yeah, so Osmond Designs Furniture. Yeah. Osmond Designs Furniture, and they are, I've been there. They're both freaking awesome stores, amazing stores. Uh, assisted Livings and stuff. What else do you have around the area that if people are looking for? Yeah. Osmond Senior Living. Uh, still have ownership in that. I sold off to a national company a little while ago and, and uh, did very well. Set that up, and uh, I think they're still doing well with that. I, I own uh, a percentage there to keep the, the Osmond name on it and make sure that they're doing things right. Um, we've got uh, you know retail shopping centers coming out of the ground right now in, in two different towns in Pleasant Grove and American Fork, and uh, and of course we're we're looking to open another furniture store actually in Salt Lake. We're going to build a new store, so keep you posted. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I love yeah. it. I and mean, maybe in one of your strip malls, you can open a. Sarah Jiu Jitsu affiliate. Okay. I love the idea. Right? Okay. It could be cool. Place right next to it, too. You get a good pizza place in there. We'll have Matt yep. Sarah come out. You can do some pizza. Get a lot of carbohydrates, get pizza, get ice cream, get a burger, go do Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. Throw up on the guy you're rolling with. That sounds fun. So. <laughs> there you go, man. There you go. Uh -huh. um, I know you have your. Uh, there's a couple of things that I, I, I call you a lot. I don't even know if you know that, but like anytime uh -huh. I'm doing like a a class or a meetup or something, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I talk about you a lot. You have your, your rules of engagement, which I, I yes. like. If you wouldn't mind sharing a couple of those because I think they're important because I think one of the first things you ever said to me when we first, I started showing you some of the deals I was struggling with, you were like, well, you're violating some of my rules of engagement. And if you don't break these, if you follow these to a T, you'll never lose money on a deal, which I think is huge because I normally say people, anybody that's been doing real estate long enough, they tell you it's all been rainbows and sunshine and they've never lost money. It's probably not true, but I know in your case it actually is. That it you, is true. I think you said your worst deal made thirty grand or something like that, right? Yeah, not knock on wood, right? I mean, the worst deal I've ever done I made thirty grand. So, and it's a deal that I should have made one hundred and thirty, but I had so many problems. That, but I, you know, I I was able to get into it the right way. Um, made a lot of hasty decisions and did things I without. I I leaped before I left before I looked, and you know, anyway, blah blah. blah. Um, but uh, so there are rules of engagement that are critical. Um, one of the very first rules is uh, to take a breath, you know, and do one deal at a time. One of the things I see, even on a big level, you know, I, I mean, I've I've been so tempted to diversify. I mean, I could, with my general contractor's license and the experience that I have, I could go out and start, you know, a home building business that would really boom right now because everybody's buying house. I can. Or I could go and get a bunch of deals and get a bunch of crazy stuff happening all at once. Right now, I've got two real estate deals coming out, two big commercial centers. Then I could. I have the means and I've got the backing to go and take them both out of the ground at the same time. But I want to do one at a time. One deal at a time. Set yourself up for success. 
make sure that things are functioning, make sure you've got all the, it's okay to start another deal as long as this is under control. So one deal at a time. Um, I tell people to invest in an area that they understand. We just talked about that, right? So, you know, if you're in New York and you're struggling with the price point, go to Georgia if you want or whatever market you want to be in. But don't go there based on somebody else's recommendation. Go there, get on the ground, go and understand where the property is located. I mean, Zillow does not get it right, you know, <laughs> most of the time. You can't go, you can't, you can't go off of, you know, comparables online only. You got to go check out the neighborhood. You got to make sure you understand the market you're investing in. So that's a big one. Um, don't take advice from a broke investor. You know, don't take advice from somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. There's so many people that they want to talk. And you got to be careful too. I mean, you and I talked about this. Even in, even in the real estate training world, there, there are people out there that are just talking heads. Yep. And so, you know, I had a lady that uh, sat in front of me when I was teaching one of the very first seminars I ever did and really threw me off. She goes, well, I don't believe and the whole room came to a halt. There's a couple hundred people. And she stood up to the mic and says, I don't believe anything you're saying. She says, this deal doesn't make any sense. And I think you're lying. And everybody got very upset. They're all like, oh, that's so rude. And I said, no, 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 no. This is, this is real. And, and we need to hit this on the head. I said, what is it that you don't believe? And she went through all the numbers. And this year that doesn't make any sense. How did you get this much money out of the deal? How did this work? And I said, I said why don't I, first of all, let me prove to you that I did the deal. Why don't I get the statements, the HUDs, uh, you know, from closing? I'll have my wife. Now, I've never done that before. Maybe that was a violation of my privacy. I don't know. But I called my wife in real time right there. I said, hey, can you please email me the HUDs on the steal? Emailed it right over. A few minutes later, she had it. And we looked at it, got on the county records, pulled it up, showed that I still owned it, how I made the money, what I did. Anyway, and uh, turns out she was an investigative reporter uh, for the, some big... Uh, um, uh, newspaper that, that had heard about us being there and she came out there at, to, to, to see and vet this seminar. Truth is, is she actually ended up doing some deals and it's done very well in real estate. So it's kind of fun that I was able to kind of send her down the road and it would be, be a part of that. But uh, understanding how to engage, I mean, it's really important uh, to me that people are careful uh, when they get out uh, and getting ready to invest. Um, having multiple exit strategies on a deal. A lot of times people get kind of stuck in one exit strategy, meaning, okay, well, I'm just going to buy this and flip it. And that's their exit is to flip it. Well, it doesn't always work out that way. Back in 08, the market dropped. What do you do? And so you have to, you have to protect yourself. And I always have several different ways out. I'll always go into a deal. And the only deals that I'll do are the ones that have multiple ways of creating the deal or getting out of it, whether it's renting, it's owner financing, it's flipping. It's subdividing. Uh, it's creating something that it wasn't, changing the use of the building. There's so many ways to do it. And in that creation, that creative side, it gives you a lot of options in case something does go wrong or you end up having some kind of weird snafu with whatever it is you're doing in the economy. So, yeah, there are rules of engagement. I, I actually pulled them up while you were just talking. That's oh, good, good. Go over them. I, I love technology, man. The fact that I can be like, I can pull these up right now. And I guess I could have done that too, but I decided no, not to. No, but that's why you're, you're my guest. So I like to do that. Oh, for you. Oh, I didn't thank you. think I wasn't listening to you. Hold so, the service. Thank you. Slow, <laughs> steady pace wins the race one deal at a time. One deal at a time. Number two, beware of so-called experts that don't invest, which like you just said, they are everywhere, man. It's, it's, yeah. it's unbelievable, you know, and I'm one of the first people who goes out there and I'm like, look, I, you guys are here to learn from me, but I'm going to tell you that 
I've done a lot of stuff right, but I've done a lot of stuff wrong, which I think is equally as important. And the people that don't have that experience that are out there teaching things, I, I do think that's a big problem of why a lot of people are not successful because they're learning from people who have not been successful and then they're teaching other people who have not been successful. It's, it's just a crazy slippery slope, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I, you know, the thing is, um, everybody has this scenario. They've got a, your mom said, well, you should buy this stock or your, your dad said, well, this is what I would do. Or your best friend says, let's get together and invest in, you know, in a, in a popcorn factory or something, you know, I mean, everybody, they get advice from people that don't invest and haven't had any track record or experience. Now, I mean, when I was first starting out, even though I was very cavalier in the ability to go out and uncover, you know, whatever questions I had, I found a lot, just from the beginning, I found a lot of comfort in going and talking to people that had done it. Not everybody was willing to share with me. Sometimes people that are successful uh, become very arrogant and they don't, they're not humble. And they don't want to, they don't want to help or share or, or, or it, there's this feeling of scarcity. But to be honest with you, man, there's a lot of room at the top. It's pretty lonely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of room. There's a lot of real estate out there. You throw a stick and hit a building or a piece of ground, I bet you we could analyze it and, and create wealth. This is the part that kills me. They're like, well, there's no deals. That's crap. There are so many deals. What do you want to do with it? How do you want to change what we got? Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Some properties are just limited. That's okay. Move on. But yeah, be very careful who you take advice from. And move on is actually number number three, which is uh, don't panic, don't jump. Always be willing to walk away. Never be emotional about real estate. Don't get emotional. Don't fall in love with the curtains. You know, even my own personal home, I built this amazing house and someone just offered me a million and a half more than what I'm into it. And I'm thinking I'm going to take the deal. I, and it's inconvenient. I, oh. going to. I yeah. feel like you're going to up it again and you're going to be like, all right, so. <laughs> yeah, two million. I do. You know, it's interesting. And, and, and again, I don't, I'm not trying to. I always come across. Sometimes I feel like I come across like I'm bragging. It's not my point. My not point is. Not at all. I, you know, I mean, it's just one. It's just the, it's the reaction that I get sometimes. But the fact is is don't be emotional about real estate. Real estate, you don't fall in love with, with real estate. No, fall in love with your family. Fall in love with what real estate can do for you, but don't fall in love with it. Number four was never invest in an area you're not 100% sure if it's gambling, so we talked about that. Number five, own and control. If necessary, it's better to give some profits away rather than lose control of the, pro of the project. Be aware of partners. Have attorneys outline the deal. So as you know, yeah. I had more bad partners than bad deals, unfortunately, and uh, it, 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 they they wind up creating uh, one messes up the other. So, I mean, you kind of tend to only do stuff with your wife, which I think is interesting. You really have kind of been just a powerhouse couple from the beginning, really. You know, what's weird is, you know, obviously through the through the last 24 years of being successful in real estate and doing things, I have people almost every week that want to partner with me. Got some big deal. They want me to come in. Da, 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 da. The truth is, is, uh, and I haven't because I've been able to be self-contained. I don't really want partners. Partnerships are sinking ships. <laughs> and it's scary. It's scary. Dude, it's scary as hell. Because the fact of the matter is, is that person can tank the deal. Because maybe in their head, you know, if they have control, well, this is why I'm willing to give away profit to control the deal so that my idea spells out. If I'm going to spend all this time and energy in creation, and I get it. I, I get that people need partners. I understand that. Not everybody's self-contained, right? That's very rare. But 
um, you need to make sure that your creative ideas, your creation is, is followed through and that there's a clear path. And one of the biggest things to make sure you have in that partnership deal is a legal paper that shows you how to get out of it. Uh, because partnerships are sinking ships. And so when it's like, you know, you need to be ready for the divorce the second you get into that, that deal. And, you know, um, if you're, especially, I'm telling you right now, if you want to save your relationships, make sure you have an exit strategy so that you can say, look, we're going to save our relationship mom because I'm going to partner with my mom, you know, whatever it is, you know, make sure you're careful because I've seen so many families just get torched and burned and, you know, uh, people embezzle or they, they take liberties they should, and, and all that does is create drama. I don't have time for drama, you know. I think you are one of the most interesting people I have ever met, and you're just a, a really good guy, man. So none of this you're stuff not. about worried about coming off as bragging or anything like that. Like even my guy friends, they're like, man, when Jared talks, we're like, <gasps> like they sit there and we just gush. Oh. Like you have a really, really good way with people. You uh. never come off as arrogant. You always come off as genuine and sincere, man, and uh. And everybody likes you and everybody knows appreciates you and you've made a lot of people's lives better and a lot of people's day better, especially mine for talking to me today and especially for opening up ice cream shops. I love all that stuff. But um, oh, into that. Well, you it's my my pleasure. No, it's my pleasure. Really, sincerely, I love it and uh, I want to help. You know, it's uh, it, it sounds a little altruistic or um, idealistic, but I, I, it's a principle in life. I know that that. Um, you get what you give. You know, just a quick tidbit. Whatever you give, it, it, it's just the, it's the law of returns, man. It, it, it comes back. I don't know how it is, what you call it, karma. What, you know, you want, you want a good relationship with your wife, then, you know, give. You know, in, in, in whatever you do in your life, uh, that does come back. And in marriage, you know, I tell you, marriage is no easy deal. And I don't, I don't want to take a sidetrack. But I tell you, whatever you give, you get back. And, and it's the same thing in business. Um, you just have to make sure that you're giving it to the right people. Yeah. You know, you can waste a lot of time and a lot of effort, a lot of energy. That's why you got to set yourself up with the right people and surround yourself uh, so that you're not just wasting your time or wasting these pearls before swine, if you will. And, and you got to be careful. You know, life is uh, life is short, so you, you take it one day at a time. But man, you know, it's it's setting yourself up for success. That's why this real estate thing makes so much sense. You just got to get out there and do it. You got to engage. And that's, that's the key, getting people out the door and, and starting to look and starting to find. And one thing leads to the next. And, you know, every tough conversation you have brings a level of understanding, and clarity, and success. And those tough conversations will matter. Having a tough conversation with the city, tough conversation with the person selling the place. And really, the toughest conversation is with yourself. That we talked about. So. Wiser words have not been spoken, man. I appreciate it. Um, I'll let you go do your thing, but uh, thank you for your time as always. And when you get some downtime tonight, give me a call and um, I'll update you on some of the stuff we were talking about earlier in the week too. Awesome. You got it, brother. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure, man. All right, man. Good to talk to you. Tell the family I said hello. I will. Talk to you soon. See you, brother.